Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to today's episode of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Shelly and I'm joined by my co-host, Serge Boudreaux. Serge, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm actually really excited about this episode. So today, let's go right into it. It's not very often we have a CEO of a major ATS company. So I want to introduce our guest. So our guest today is Jerome Turnink, who is the CEO of Smart Recruiters. And also, please do go get this book because I read this book around a month ago, absolutely loved it, is the author of Hiring Success, How Visionary CEOs Compete for the Best Talent. I'm assuming it's available everywhere, right, Jerome? It absolutely is, Serge, and um, yeah, available on Amazon. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, welcome. I, I really appreciate you coming in. I think you can give a perspective that our listeners are, are really looking for uh, mm-hmm. in a sense. So recruitment technology is is something that we always battle. Uh, a lot of our listeners are practitioners or talent acquisition leaders and um, figuring out that magic solution on implementing the right HR tech is something that mm-hmm. evades all of us. So I think hopefully you can give us some insights on that. So mm-hmm. how about we, we jump in yeah. right into questions. I'm- We're going to grill you today um Jerome. <laughs> are you ready yeah, Jerome? I look for, yeah I look awesome to it. awesome Go so Jerome, <clears throat> Jerome welcome to the show I am um I've listened to as I I have heard you speak before and I am absolutely thrilled that you're with us today I'm kind of like pinch me is this really happening so thank you for joining us um do you know what I want to start with this is your journey in the recruitment technology space so um, you launched an applicant tracking system in 2002 uh, called Mr. Ted. So we're yep. curious um, why, why you felt there was a need for this type of system in recruitment. What were you answering in the market? Yeah, you, you know, I think at that time we were just automating the file cabinet, right? I mean, yeah. I was a recruiter at a recruitment agency before that. I founded in in the late in the early nineties, actually, oof, in um, in the Czech Republic, and uh, we were we were quite successful. Early days of Central Europe, uh, moving from communist economy to a liberal economy, people were hiring left, center, right, and center. And we didn't have any systems to manage our candidates, and this became a problem. And so when the internet arrived, uh, we looked at all the stacks of paper that were on every consultant desk, and we're like, hmm, actually, maybe we could automate this. Maybe we, you know, the paper resumes would become online resumes that we would track in a database. And I think uh, we started actually, Mr. Ted, in 1999, um, and at the same time as Brassring and Teleo and iSeams and all these guys, like all the first generation of ATS, mm-hmm. as the name says, applicant tracking systems, which is actually one of the problems, right? It doesn't say hire amazing people systems, right? <laughs> it's yeah. really about tracking applicants. So, but at the time, this was the problem we were solving, right? It, it was a logistical problem of, mm-hmm. from paper to online. Yes, I was there. Um, I started recruiting in 1994. Don't say it. Don't say it. 
<laughs> and so I, I came from, you know, when the fax machine was like spitting resumes out, we were like, whoa, this is fast. So um, I love hearing about that journey. So thank you for sharing, because it was a really awesome time to be in recruitment. And it still is today. Um, you know, so can I, can I move on to another question here? And it's, it's more about your book, Hiring Success, where you talk about the talent economy. Um, and I mean, of course, I believe this in my heart and soul that the business with the best talent wins, right? No doubt. I believe that. So, but do you think that is something that really resonates with CEOs and executives? And, you know, or do you feel like there's still um, a little bit on the dark about this? Both. I think it, it resonates with them very well. Like okay. they understand who, who you hire as a company defines everything. Like it defines your ability to sell, your ability to service, your ability to innovate. Like actually as a, as a hiring manager, who you hire defines you as a leader, right? It defines who you are. Oh, and by the way, it also defines whether you get to have dinner with your kids at home tonight or you're going to stay in the office to finish that presentation or that deck that the guy that's supposed to do it that you hired last month didn't finish or if you're going to have to stay longer hours in the Starbucks because the shop manager didn't show up or the barista is sick. Like who you hire defines your career. It defines your, your personal life and your career. And I think every hiring manager knows that uh, all the way, of course, to the CEO. What they don't know and why what compelled me to write the book is how do you actually hire amazing talent right like when it it really surprises me that the ceo is like i want to hire the best people in the market and they consistently put this in their top three priorities right 80 percent of ceos say hiring top talent is in my number one number two number three priorities right. and at the same time 85 percent of fortune 500 believe they don't hire great people so where is the disconnect for me, the disconnect is simple. You take recruiting as a, a, a sales and marketing function where you want to compete for the best talent and you actually move it down the organization all the way into admin, uh, below HR, and you measure it by cost per hire and time to fill, faster and cheaper. You treat it as a, as a back office function oh, that needs yeah. to be automated, right? And that's so the disconnect. The disconnect is, well, no, actually, if you want to hire great people, you, you invest in recruiting to hire amazing talent, just like you invest in marketing to get customers. It's exactly the same process, right? Mm -hmm. And I love the example that's in the book that uh, talks about that, that Google uh, has six times more recruiters per employee than the average Fortune 500. Six times more. And then people are like, oh, people at Google are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah duh. Yes, they are, right? Uh, yeah. Because they invest in recruiting and they focus on hiring the best people, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's an interesting viewpoint and I, I completely you. agree with you. And mm -hmm. if we take a look at it, and I've seen it as being a, a recruitment leader in, in different corporations, one of the biggest challenges that I always come across is actually selling the importance of what we do and the ability to, to get investment. Um, sometimes talent acquisition is seen as, as something that can be cut when times are tough, um, similar to a lot of programs or certain departments. So one of the big things that I try to focus is where is our return on investment? And um, I think we'll go a little bit through the metrics at the end of the book, but I, I thought that was an interesting perspective. But you, you also talk about, and I think a lot of people have said this, that you feel recruitment today is broken. Um, 
I agree, uh, but I think it's been broken for a really long time. So why do you think that is? Why do you think that you feel recruitment is broken today? And um, how can companies adjust and fix this um, in, within their own? I guess you can only fix what you own in that sense. So yeah. what's your thoughts around that? At the end of the day, um, great recruiting is not difficult. Um, you need to find great candidates. Then you need to choose the right one and you need to be organized, right? It's like at scale, like to rinse and repeat, right? And if you really put uh, the, the traditional recruiting function of companies through this lens, it's like, hmm, you know, does my, does my ATS and my infrastructure and how I work help me attract and engage amazing talent with a great experience? No. Do managers use my ATS and, collabor- and collaborate, work well with my uh, recruiters to choose the right candidates? No, usually uh, emails and spreadsheet. As a result, is my TA team happy and productive? No. And so the, the, the underlying, uh, underlying uh, approach here remains a staffing function. Job is posted, applicants apply, like human beings apply, they become applicants, right? That need to be tracked. Somehow we select one and it's hard to get feedback. The managers are behind. And this whole thing is treated as a service center. It's not. Uh, and I think the, the starting point of uh, changing recruiting um, is to rebuild that relationship with hiring managers in a collaborative way, in a partnership way, where the recruiter is a real talent advisor and where they challenge each other um, for better candidates. And of course, to fix the candidate experience at the start by embracing more modern marketing techniques, in fact, to attract consumers, people, right? Um, and, uh, and to make sure that the recruiters have the technology they need to actually do their job because it's a really hard job and this cannot be managed in a spreadsheet and in emails, it's over, right? So that's, those for me are the three core components of hiring yeah. success, in fact, right? So the ability mm-hmm. to hire amazing talent on demand, which is what the CEO wants, um, candidate experience, manager engagement, and recruiter productivity. And if you focus on those three things, then you can become a value-add function. You can, or rather, you can demonstrate your value and be and receive investment uh, against this value that you deliver. That's a great answer. Oh my gosh. I'm well, so glad the, we're recording this. One of the <laughs> points you. that you, you said, and mm-hmm. I, I'd like to dig in a little bit deeper, is one of the challenges that I've seen in a lot of organizations and talking to my colleagues is the hiring manager, recruiter, collaboration, partnership. Um, a lot, or in, this can be a challenge for a lot of recruiters because they need a lot of info to make sure they're bringing the right people in front of those hiring managers. And, and often response is, I don't have time or here is an old job description, just go off that. Or when it comes to booking interviews, they're delaying it. So any advice for any of the practitioners or anyone listening about how you can build that strong hiring manager collaboration partnership? I'm going to preach for, um, from my church here, but it starts with technology. It's like t- collaboration in the modern world is you need, a te- you need a place to collaborate. Like if you do not have this, then the moment it, you just cannot collaborate, then you, f- you have to be frustrated. 
Like I missed your email. Did you give me feedback? Oh, no, I didn't. No, I sent it to you. But what about this candidate? Which one? The one you sent me on Thursday? No, the, the other one. Where is, by the way, where are we in this search? Can I see your spreadsheet? Like, oh, this doesn't work, right? Like no. it really does not work. The moment, literally, the moment you give to hiring managers and recruiters a good platform to collaborate, a platform where managers in particular on their phone can actually see what's happening. They can see the candidate. Like, I mean, how can I say that? The, 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 it is important. The NPS of smart recruiters with hiring manager is positive 56. It's the same as Apple, right? Why wow. is that? Because we have a miraculous software? No, simply because for the first time, we are giving hiring managers a tool to manage one of the most important part of their job, which is the people they hire on their team. And literally like the answer we get from hiring managers when we roll out is like, oh, thank you. Like finally, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that is the basis for collaboration. And, and it's, it's really wonderful to watch the, the, the evolving relationship between recruiters and hiring managers in that. And if you were to dig into our own in, in instance of smart recruiters where we are hiring, you see the recruiters are like, they're in there, there's this conversation, they challenge each other, they say, yeah, I agree with you, this is a good candidate, but I think we could find a better one, you know? Like, they're, yep. they're bar raising each other, right? Working together, as opposed to, you know, where's my resume? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that answer as well. So I, I'm curious too, if we look at the current environment, so obviously a lot is going on in the world, COVID, um, mm -hmm. but it, the biggest challenge, unemployment rate has, has gone up but there's still a massive skill gap across the board. Uh, and a lot of it is just the skills that are, are needed for today's, um, I, I guess, economy and is different than what a lot of skill sets are. So why do you think there's still a massive skills gap? What do you think are the key factors driving this? Um, there's a number of, of factors here um, that, uh, that drive this. Um, first, um, we have a demographic factor, um, right? So the, the, the world demographics, I'm not going to get into that, but it is a reality here that the aging population drives uh, a lack of talent. Second, um, jobs are increasingly more complex and people don't really quantify this, but actually 40 years ago, a software developer is a software developer is a software developer. Today, if you develop iOS app for the Apple environment, obviously you cannot build an Android app for Android, right? So you're like mobile developer branch and now you have two jobs. And so the level of complexity of jobs is, is uh, really increased uh, by, um, uh, by a 10X in the last decade as technology permeates everything, right? So now you're like, okay, I have a very, very skilled job and I need to find exactly the right skill. Right? If you take it back 10,000 years, you had hunters and gatherers. Mm -hmm. right? and I guarantee recruiting was not difficult back then. Right Now you have 7 million different jobs in the world. Right, It's hard. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to come back to, because um, I was absolutely um, loving this discussion around recruitment technology, because I know certainly in my experience, big corporate, I'm referring to um, being a talent acquisition leader in big corporate. Recruitment technology, um, I went through a process, the selection process took five years. 
it was astounding. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the choice was driven by finance, legal, and IT. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there was a human capital management system uh, and, you know, got the dog and pony shows from all the, you know, the big, big players. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, it was, I guess, kind of off to the side. And it was such a challenge to get good tech, good technology, because it was like, oh, well, we're buying this anyway. So, and, you know, the African tracking system comes with it. So if, I, I mean, knowing what I know now, maybe, but I know that this is a lot of what talent acquisition leaders face. So can you give, like, what's your best advice to a talent acquisition leader to, to give them kind of the power and the, and the voice and the seat at the table to say, we need the right technology to do our jobs. Cause I know you mm-hmm. talk like how critical that technology is, but, and you, yes, collaboration, like a collaborative platform. Um, but so many times they've already made this big decision on major ERP. Yeah. What, what advice would you give to talent acquisition leaders? Make sure their voice is heard. Yeah, I think that um, we we can talk about the function as a whole and the metrics, and we'll probably do that um, uh, later. Um, but if you really think about technology, um, I'd recommend to just go back to the very basics, um, which uh, is, dear CEO, hiring amazing talent is critical to you. Yes, yes, okay. And by the way, you can say that to the CIO as well, right? Uh, so to do that, I need a system, one, that is going to help me find and engage candidates, right? And then you can list what that means. And it's um, uh, advertising your jobs, having good referrals, having good internal mobility, having good CRM capabilities, being able to nurture candidates, being able to search them, having automatic rematching, like a whole marketing stack. Already your workday success factors kind of guys are already out at that point, right? Second, um, we need a collaborative platform here to manage recruiting together and and engage the hiring managers. I need the hiring managers to use the system every day. And that includes you, Miss CEO. That includes you. Are you going to use this every day for your interviews? Are you going to put feedback in that system for your interview? Have you tried it? No, right? So challenge the fact that you expect the hiring managers to use the system every day because they are hiring every day. So if they don't use the system, tell me, where is, where is recruiting going to happen if you don't use the system? Do you think it happens in emails or do you think it ha- like, where is it going to happen? So you need all of the, um, all of the uh, uh, activity to happen in there. And that's your manager engagement. And then third, you need your recruiters to be productive. And for that, you need them to have all their data and all their suppliers in one platform. And may you make a list of the 35 providers that you use around the world to background check, to reference check, to post jobs, to interviews, to do this, to do this, to do that. And you say, these 35 systems be integrated. And now you have, you, you have totally shaken the Very position of an HIS system, right? Because yeah. the HIS system is, a, is an administrative system to raise yeah. a rec and record who has been hired, basically. 
and keep it somewhat compliant in between, right? But you're saying, I need a marketing system. This is not what you're offering. I need a collaborative system that my managers are going to use every day. This is not what you're offering. And I need a platform with all of my uh, recruiting vendors pre-integrated. This is not what you're offering. So drive that as a core function. And then find your allies. And your, your allies in this process are first the CIO, uh, who once he sees he or she sees these um, uh, these requirements will be like hmm this actually is going to cost us a lot to try and integrate everything uh, into the modern system right so the CIO use case is actually quite strong second bring your uh, privacy officer into that because if you run recruiting outside of your system you are not compliant data privacy requires that all of the private data that you collect is in one system where it is stored, managed, and archived uh, at the right times. Now, if I email you a resume because you don't want to use Workday, who's going to delete that email in a year's time when that candidate's privacy is not there? Who's going to control? Like if a candidate says, please erase my data, the honest answer in most organizations is, hmm, which one, right? Because you have so many copies of resumes, so many emails. It's actually a big consulting company that went through they created a project with an entire team to build an algorithm that went to read all the emails of all their employees globally to erase wow. resumes, right? This is how bad that is. So bring your privacy officer and say, I'm fine if we go with Workday, but none of the recruiting activity will ever happen outside of the system. So now let's look at what is the recruiting activity every day. And this doesn't work, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, bring your privacy, your diversity officer in there. Because the moment that recruiting happens off system, mm -hmm. bias comes in, right? Oh, what did you think of Shelly? Well, you know, I prefer Serge because he speaks French, right? There is no track record. There is no scorecards. There, it's the world of discrimination and, uh, and bias, right? And if you want to fight and, and, and bring diversity into the old, you need at the minimum documented decisions like you need to source diverse candidates to avoid uh, screening or restricting uh, discriminating them at uh, at uh, resume screening but most importantly you need a fair interview process with clear criteria whatever we can discuss about this but those are the points right mm -hmm. you need a marketing system that managers are going to use every day and my recruiters have everything in one place and by the way this his will never do it CIO, come and help me because you're going to save money and troubles. Uh, privacy officer, come and help me because we cannot be compliant with the system. And diversity officer, come and help. Right. And at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, I can give you a funny example. We just signed a, a large um, technology company, eighteen thousand employees, right? Yeah. And they were on work day recruiting, uh, and um, the head of R and D and the head of sales came to the, the TA leader and said, you got to do something here. Like we, we cannot, like my managers are screaming, recruiting is a shit show. We, you have to do something. Like you have to change the system. We need a proper system. And the head of TA was like, yeah, but I, I don't have the budget. And, and both of them went like, how much is this going to be? Right? And they basically, <laughs> they funded the project. I'm not kidding. They, ju they just funded the project mm -hmm. to say, fine. And then you put, you put a, a proper talent acquisition suite on top of your HIS. You can even put it on top of work the recruiting or the recruiting module if you want to, it doesn't matter, right? But effectively all the marketing collaboration and integration that is necessary in recruiting happens in a dedicated system. 
new hires or uh, candidates at offer stage are pushed to the HIS, requisition come up. It's, those are plug and play, they already the connectors are in place. Yeah. So it's really not a problem. You're gonna save yourself a lot of cost. We have white papers about it. Sorry, I, I tried to summarize a very long topic. <laughs> well, that was a really fast, big but... question. It was a really big question because I think um, it's, it's a quest that every talent acquisition leader oh, yeah. will have. Um, and just when you've mastered it, then you change employers. Um, yes. But that is, that is so fantastic advice. Thank you very, very much. Because yeah. um, So I, I, I want to just probe on something that we touched on a minute ago um, as well. And you kind of mentioned it again. And that is the fact that recruitment, when it is seen as by the organization as an administrative function, and they hire like entry-level HR people, and, and they you know, Serge and I talk about this a lot, actually a lot lately as well, is that, you know, recruitment is seen as the only way to get into the profession of HR. Um, but we read an article recently, I think that, that you had written that um, I guess maybe we're looking to rally the troops because we feel the same way, but I'd like you to share your thoughts because we compare recruitment the skills and talents that make an exceptional recruiter are very similar and I think most aligned to our brothers and sisters in sales. Um, I know we believe that. Can Tell me, where, where's, um, where's your stake on this? Recruiting is not an HR job. Thank you. Thank mean, you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, everybody that's listening, uh, and we do have a wonderful, loyal listener base, and they are, I think, by and large, almost all of them are in HR and recruitment. Yeah. And so, hallelujah, we have somebody from another country telling us the same thing. So share with us. Okay. I mean, um, recruiting has, uh, of course, very deep roots into uh, HR because ultimately you're matching a person to a job and that at, the, at its core requires um, many of the skills that an HR uh, business partner has, right? Um, but the, the, the core function of recruiting is actually not so much about HR, it's about marketing first and foremost. How do I attract candidates in a cheap and cheerful way? Uh, it's about managing a process and a collaboration. And then it's about being a talent advisor to the hiring manager. And today we take all of these jobs and we take uh, uh, entry-level uh, individuals and we ask them to be everything, right? Recruiting coordinator, poster of jobs, screener of resumes. Oh, and by the way, if you have time, try to make a case with the hiring managers and advise her on who she should hire. This doesn't work. No. So I think a good, way for, a good way for TA leaders to change that is to actually embrace um, the complexity, the evolving nature of our function, and to define a team that has a, a different set. If you have 10 people, and actually I wrote a whole chapter in the book about this, but if you have 10 people in your TA team, those are not 10 recruiters. And those are not three sourcers, five recruiters, you know, and maybe two, two administrators, right? So think about what are the skills, uh, and I, we can talk for hours about this, what are the skills that are needed? And elevate your recruiters to talent advisors. Let the recruiters really be partners to the, to the hiring manager. 
and and allow them to uh, to not have to find candidates and not have to uh, organize interviews and do offers and yeah. right let them be the senior person on the team that is a true business partner to the manager and when that happens suddenly the managers they they quickly they turn around and they say oh Shelly, what do you think mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. because yeah of course they, you when you need to hire someone you're in a position of vulnerability you don't want to make a mistake this is super important is and sad. having a trusted partner there is really critical so you have you have the need, you have the customer, but currently you're not servicing this. If you do full stack recruiters who are here on That's the contract right. basis, have no understanding of the hiring manager, and they are quickly dismissed as like, hey, please screen those resumes and, and, and spare me your opinion, right? Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, it's interesting because we uh, we spoke to a group last week, uh, a large um, HR organization, and we talked about exactly those points. Like what you said was basically summarized with myself and Shelly. So I think we're we're speaking the same language. And when I was reading your book, uh, I was like, "This I've been saying this for years." Or and same as Shelly was saying the same. So, uh, but the one thing, so an interesting the company I work for right now, uh, we have a philosophy called "follow the talent," meaning. This has been going on for a long time for us. We find the best talent wherever they are. Um, so we're a smaller tech company comp- competing against tech talent that works at potentially Google, Apple, like we're, we're in that realm. So our advantage is we'll hire you wherever you are. So, But a lot of companies are now seeing this as remote hiring and a lot of companies are facing a lot of challenges with it um, because they're not prepared for it they're still not the right mentality internally so so before a company decides hey we're going to do remote hiring what do you think they should ask themselves to make sure they're actually up for it they're they're ready to remote hire yeah um so hiring remotely and uh, um, so where the teams are remote uh, is one thing, right? Where you end up making hiring decisions, you have never met the candidate, people are talking, and this goes back to collaboration and having a proper platform. That's for one, an important part. If you're hiring people anywhere, the work from anywhere kind of uh, approach, um, I think you need to uh, be uh, very clear about what happens when those people are hired. And it's the, the, the pre-hire part is a process and, and it's about doing great recruiting, frankly. The post-hire part uh, is new and uh, it's about uh, obviously great onboarding, um, but it's also having a remote first uh, organization. And uh, in many companies, you it's like, I was going to make an awful comparison, but it's a little bit like diversity, right? You don't want to be the first remote employee, right? Because <laughs> for sure, nothing's ready for you, right? Uh, and uh, uh, and here, if you become a remote first uh, organization, uh, that transition needs to be well planned. And it, to a certain extent, has little to do with recruiting in itself. Uh, the way we approached it at Smart Recruiters, we made that transition or, uh, um, recently to say we're remote forever. Uh, we said, being a Smartian, which is how we call ourselves, uh, being a Smartian is amazing when you are remote. And if you happen to live next to an office, it's going to be even better. Right? But we're going to optimize for remote. So remote first mm-hmm. philosophy. 
And then if you can be in the office, it's even better. Uh, that transition is, is, is important. I think you have to put yourself in the shoes of the remote employee first. Mm-hmm. And, and I then your talent pool is, the world becomes your talent pool. It's amazing, right? And you have so many talents around the world. And it's just crazy, right? Yeah. There was this professor at Stanford um, that um, teaches uh, advanced data science. Um, and uh, one day he decided to actually open his course to the internet. Uh, anybody could take the class. And it's one of the toughest data science classes at Stanford. And at the end, he uh, released the, the final exams for his students, right? And uh, I think over 6,000 people took the test um, uh, online. And, uh, uh, and they were like, out of the first uh, 100 uh, uh, of the students, there were like two that were from Stanford. Wow. Wow. Meanwhile, we are like... Did you go to Stanford? Okay, great. Did you not? Uh, too bad for you, right? But actually, this world has changed so much. So we're like opening up in, in education, in location. Uh, you know, for what I know, our next data scientist might be a mom at, mom at work at home uh, in Brazil. Like, great, right? And, uh, and I'm very, very enthusiastic or optimistic about the world that's going to shape uh, after this pandemic and the remote work, right? Because I think the distribution of opportunity around countries, around the world, around uh, communities is going to completely change. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love that, Jerome. And uh, I've been using a very similar example in our world uh, I, I've had someone in a di- data science role, so it's really funny you mentioned that, that I ended up uh, going back home after school. And he lived in a really, really small town in the middle of nowhere. And he ended up working as a cashier at a convenience store because that's the only role really in that small town. So when this opportunity, as far as remote hiring, the opportunity, suddenly this person came into a role that he, he's just killing it. Like, and he would not have the opportunities because he wanted to go home close to his family with not a lot of opportunities. So I, I agree. I'm very, very excited about the future of work in this sense and how many opportunities are, are can show up. Now, it's, you're not only looking at your small little town or even your own city. There's opportunities like uh, to work in for a company based in San Francisco and you're in Calgary, Alberta or whatever the case is. So, but one of the things that we always look at when it comes to recruitment or even, um, and you talk about this in the book and it really drove a lot for me because mm-hmm. I've been trying to find the right secret sauce of how I should measure. So I, I measure my leading and my lagging metrics with my team, measure performance, efficiency, but I've had a really hard time with the time to hire, time to fill costs for hire. It, it's, I, I don't know if it tells a true story. But when I read your three metrics, um, first of all, I implemented one right away, and that was the net hiring score. Uh, and it's partly a reason that I switched to smart recruiters as an ATS for myself is it was I didn't need to work outside the system. It's already built in. But the three uh, metrics that you put together are hiring budget, which uh, hiring velocity and net hiring score. Do you mind going into each one and giving our listeners a little bit the reasoning and what is hiring budget, hiring velocity, and net hiring score? Sure. So the, the hiring budget is a replacement for your cost per hire, and it's the total cost of hiring divided by the salary of new hires. 
Um, so if you come to me as a CEO and you say uh, our cost per hire is $2,344, you know, for sure you're not going to come to the management meeting and say, next year I think we should double our cost per hire. Right? Nobody has ever said that. But as a CEO, I would say, well, why not? Why not? What's in it for me? If I give you more money, what, what do I get back, right? And if you express it as a percentage, so we're currently spending 5% of new hire salary. Our, our hiring budget is 5%. Then my next question is, oh, okay, how, how does that compare? Well, it's kind of on the low side of our industry. And we're investing more, we're more towards 7 8% for R&D position that are harder. We're sacrificing a bit more there. We're at 2 3%. So you can compare between departments and compare between countries. And now you have a you have a budget allocation conversation, not a cost allocation. Like take the world, the word cost out of the equation and open up for a better discussion. The second is, uh, uh, is the hiring velocity, which is the percentage of jobs filled on time. And why does that matter? Uh, your time to fill really is, it doesn't mean anything. Like if you say, hey, Jerome, my time to fill is 47 days. I'm like, duh, I don't care. Like start earlier. What, what, what can I tell you, right? But if you say uh, the, my hiring velocity is 64%, I know, that, I know what that means. That means that if I decide something, then 64% of my decision will be implemented and the rest will not because the people will not be there. If I decide to open a new store, there'll be 64% of the baristas on the day off. If I want a new product, we'll have 64% of the engineers to build it. Like hiring velocity and business velocity are exactly the same. So now when you tell me that my hiring velocity is 64%, now I get very interested, right? Uh, and I'm like, okay, so yeah, our budget is on the low side, our velocity, but what can we do to improve our velocity? Interestingly, it also involves the percentage of jobs hired on time, which is what does on time means, right? As a simple example, uh, when we implemented this ooh, five years ago at Smart Recruiters, uh, we realized that uh, Europe was at a hiring velocity of 10%. Why? Because we were doing our headcount planning on a quarterly cycle and the average time from offer accepted to start in Europe was 70 days. So they had zero chance of actually hitting the quarterly numbers. So we ended up doing a planning cycle where we approve European headcounts one quarter earlier than the US headcounts. So we know that if we decide to add four engineers in Berlin, then they will be there on time. Otherwise, there, it makes no sense. So hiring velocity and like stop reporting on time to field ASAP. And then the last one is the net hiring score. And the net hiring score measures quality of hire. It's like a spot check. Um, and quality of hire never really has been well measured. It's like, ah, oh, a year later, yeah. based on performance and the age of my grandmother, we will let you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it's true, right? Nobody really it's does It's true. It. No, nobody's figured it out. So here we say it, the net hiring score is like an NPS, like a net promoter score. Uh, and 90 days after a hire, uh, you ask the manager on a scale of one to 10, how much of a fit is this candidate? And then you ask the candidate, how much of a fit is this job for you? And then you take the nine and tens, the ones who are like, oh my God, this is my dream job finally. And this is the best hire I've ever met, right? So the nine and tens minus the 
one to five, the ones who are like, uh, no, I might have made a mistake. I'm not sure. This is not what I expected, right? Yeah. And you end up with a positive negative score that gives you in real time exactly the pulse of are you hiring more great fits than poor fits? And this is a scary measure. I can tell you it is a very scary measure. So now when you go to the CEO, you say our hiring budget is 5%, which is on the low side. Our velocity, I'm struggling. We're at 75%, which obviously is creating all sorts of operational issues. That's why all the hiring managers look angry in my office, right? And uh, uh, our net hiring score is uh, zero or it's two. Uh, and uh, yeah, well, it's because we are in a rush, so we have to compromise. And if you, if you allow me to take the hiring budget towards the seven, eight percent, which is more industry standard, this is what I'm going to do. And this is the hiring uh, velocity that I can commit to. This is the net hiring score that I want to drive. Now you have a business conversation, not a cost center conversation, right? So reframing the conversation with the CEO is critical. You know, I wish I would have read that like 10 years ago, to be honest with you, because I've been trying to figure this out. And when I read your book, I was like, wow, this is easy because I've had the same challenge and I'm sure, Shelly, you've had the same challenge yes. when you're having yeah. a discussion with the executives in relating what the metrics actually mean to the business. Because in reality, you're right. A CEO doesn't, like, they don't give a shit if if you go out and tell them, oh, I have this, this is our time to fill. But in reality, if you can come in, this is what it means to our business. Um, so thank you for coming up with those uh, those three because they've really helped me streamline exactly what I should measure and kind of clear the clutter and noise around different metrics. The good thing is, or maybe the bad thing is, a lot of companies have zero metrics in recruitment, which uh, is a challenge in itself. And I think if you don't have any and anyone listening, please do read the book because it goes in detail and you can find this information on the internet as well, as far as uh, there's great smart recruiter articles. But on on that note, Jerome, this has been uh, really cool. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time in reality, the amount of advice and knowledge that you shared with practitioners and, and leaders here is, is valuable on that. And so if anyone wants to get a hold of you, Jerome, um, what's the best way, anything you can advise on that end? Yeah, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Jerome Turning. I'm glad you accept um, all TA connections and I'm always um, available and, and happy to answer any question. Um, you can also visit uh, uh, the hiringsuccess.com website. If you have the smartrecruiters.com website, if you need a great ATS, of course, uh, but the hiringsuccess.com website, uh, is where you'll find all the information about the hiring success methodology. There's a link to the book, uh, but there's also a definitive guide to hiring success, which is like a 200-page practitioner guide free you can download. And we also uh, release the hiring success masterclass um, that are also free of charge. We've had over 7,000 recruiters certify uh, in the last six months. So this is a series. We are, I think, at six six episodes now. So six masterclasses about hiring success. You can learn everything um, about the methodology. And I think generally we're we're here in in a in a movement uh, to help elevate our industry and and to help CEOs understand that actually uh, recruiting drives massive impact on your organization. And if you just allow them to be successful, you'd be surprised how much uh, back you would get. Wow. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, That was powerful. That was really powerful. And you're right. um, Serge and I are equally dedicated to elevating the profession of recruitment because like you, 
I know uh, that it is absolutely critical to the success of a company to get it right and to just stop guessing or considering that it's it's this admin function. So, so with that, I want to express my absolute gratitude for you joining us today and sharing your knowledge so generously and for sharing these great tools as well that can help us elevate the profession of recruitment. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Serge. Thank you, Shelly. Thank, Thank you. you. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.